0: Meditation. Meditation.
1: Meditation. meditation. Thinking, depending thinking
0: on thinking the quality thinking, of You know, there's thinking, good days thinking. and bad days. I mean, feel like Sounds. the waterfall of thoughts.
1: <sighs> Every now and then, a nice... Um, um. I can't think of anything. This is Meditation in the City. The Shambhala
0: New York Podcast.
1: Thank you for listening to the Meditation in the City Podcast. My name is Francesca, and I'm your host. The title of this episode is Being Parents for Our Children and Ourselves. The winter solstice is the time of year for the Shambhala Children's Day celebration, which is about much more than children. Using gentleness and bravery as tools, the Shambhala teachings train us to work with our everyday world through meditation. This training can help us become better parents for our children. We can even learn to be better parents for ourselves. In this talk, we will look at how our meditation practice trains us to pass along wisdom from parents to children, wisdom from many generations before us to many generations in the future. Today we are joined by Brian Wade. Brian is a musician, teacher, and meditator based in Brooklyn, New York. He has practiced Buddhist meditation since 1995 and has taught meditation since 2004 in New York City, Vermont, and Colorado. Brian has been a music educator since 1998, focusing on guitar and band. He teaches private guitar lessons and coaches musicians in AMPT, Authentic Musician Performance Training, which is a course that he created for integrating musical skill with performance confidence. Here's Brian to take away the discussion.
2: So, yes, we uh, we are here at the shortest day of the year. and. We celebrate this in Shambhala with Children's Day on the winter solstice. And so uh, we were going to have our first in-person event uh, here in New York and that changed. (laughs) So we didn't get to have our um, event in that way. But uh, we are, I was asked to speak today about that tradition and about Children's Day and Parenting in general and what our tradition in shabbala has to say about these These things these topics are a bit important because that's how we keep going forward as a, a community and as a species and um, I've heard it said that a lot of Dharma is is basically um, Teaching us to grow up anyway adults <laughs> So children's day itself is an event that we have and it has certain symbols in it that point us to the fact that basic goodness is always present, it's always, always here, it's always now. Uh, We may have a hard time seeing it or finding it, but it is always here and now, and that's how we can access it in the here and the now. And uh, the traditional story from which is traditional all over the world of, of the sun going away or dying or leaving or at some point because the days are clearly getting shorter um but it will it will return Um, and that's used as a a rich and beautiful symbol in um, our children's day celebration and it's it's used we represent it in that celebration um, as light with candles and What happens in children's day is we have, uh, is children come and adults bring them. So there's not only children. It's not a daycare situation. (laughs) And children come and they bring a gift. And they come up to the shrine and they offer the gift to the shrine. And then they turn and they meet the king and queen of Shambhala. And the king and queen show them a mirror. And they sprinkle... Uh, some water with a uh, evergreen branch as well, and they, they look in the water, I mean look in the mirror and see themselves, and then go join the community again. And it's a little train, and adults can do it too, not just kids. And then there's, uh, it's always done a little differently in every center. It has a different flavor where you go, uh, but then there's often the light, where we offer the light to the shrine and the lights off and candles that, that each person has or, or each family or each child and each usually each person. When I remember one year we did it in New York with, um, we did it in the afternoon and turned the lights off and it, it was the last part of the, the celebration. And everyone had a, I think it was mason jars with water and a little floating votive in it. And it was just the most beautiful thing in the world, to see all these little floating lights being held right in front of your heart. And then we all offered it. And it was just, it's a gorgeous thing, the light in the darkness. So, um, the, the lesson there is that there's always the, the light of basic goodness in our heart. So when, when we go up to the offer, the gift, we're letting go. Of attachment. We're offering and giving to the world. And then we're, we return and we see a mirror which represents wisdom, seeing things as they are. And we see ourselves right after we have just given a gift, right after we have just been generous. And we are shown that we are with and in of basic goodness in that moment. And then it's right here in our hearts all along so then we go and join the community again and then after we have discovered it we offer it with candles so this year in New York uh, and this may be the case in a lot of uh, cities we didn't have a whole lot of children uh, and we were thinking well what does this say for adults for parents for adults who aren't parents, what, what can these uh, symbols offer us? And, and in thinking about this, one of the images from the ceremony that came to me was the, uh, the king and the queen. And the king and the queen of Shambhala are, in some ways, representations of what we in Shambhala call the mother and the father lineages, the mother lineage and the father lineage. So I kind of uh, this is I just want to point out this is me looking into this right now. I'm not uh, presenting anything from a tome <laughs> and this is my uh, observations <laughs> and um, But I found this to be quite interesting and quite rich um, to look into these these teachings of, of mother and father one of the um, First things that came to my mind was something that a friend of mine in the song is um, Una O'Connell said to me one time. She says that a parent's job is to protect the basic goodness of their children and of children in general. And I thought that was beautiful. I thought that was a nice way to look at situations that are so very different. There's so many scenarios, and it's not like we have a pocket knife with a blade for every scenario that we come across, it's too many. So, that I thought was a beautiful way to look at things to uh, protect the basic goodness of our children. Of course, we're also providing for our children, which is protecting the basic goodness of our children. We also have other jobs relating to that basic goodness when it comes to relating to our children. we can point out basic goodness in the world. Um, small children are connected totally and they pick up on it, just soak it in. And then as as we get older, as our children get older, we come across various situations, uh, different people, different situations. And sometimes um, sometimes it's... It can be confusing where basic goodness can be, and we have to help our children learn how to recognize it. We, we have to learn to recognize it in situations in order to protect their basic goodness. And as we uh, as our children grow, we have to teach them how to recognize it so that they eventually learn how to protect it for themselves. So I looked into these chants that we have uh, we don't say these all the time um, if you've been involved in Shambhala for a while you may have come across these chants if you haven't then you may not have um, I'm going to read them they're very short and they're more kind of poems Chogun Trungpa Rinpoche gave them to us and I'm going to start with the uh, supplication to the Mother Lineage. So this says, We pay homage to the Mother Lineage. Your robe is soaked in water. Your hair is elegant and airy. Your perfume is exquisite. From a grain of barley dropped on the ground by seeming accident, great prosperity has sprung. Your milk feeds the nation. We like the crescent moon on your hair. We emulate your openness and bounty. You speak softly, but your command carries weight. Please do not stop loving us. We bathe within a grove of bamboo. Please help us to become gentle and tough. So that is a supplication to the mother lineage and first of all, I guess I should have said this before I read it. it Does't hurt anything that I read it. But I just want to point out that the mother and father lineages, this is not talking about men or women. This is not talking about gender or sex. This is talking about energy is such a clumsy word, but it's energy, uh, ways of being, states of mind, ways of behaving. So we're not really, when we say that, uh, we talk about the, the mother lineage, we don't mean that in a literal way, in the same way that we don't mean that when basic goodness, the light of basic goodness dawns in your heart, we don't mean that a big <laughs> atomic fire appears in your body. So this is poetic language meant to help us see and understand uh, types of wisdom, or manifestations of wisdom, aspects of wisdom. Also, one of the reasons that we do that is that this is a very feeling and a very personal way to relate to wisdom, as opposed to a brainy, clinical, philosophical way. There's nothing wrong with brainy, philosophical ways, but not everyone gets that. And this is another way to relate in more of a, a sense and a, a, a heart sense or a felt sense way to wisdom. So the father and the the mother lineage energies are present and intertwined together, and they often um, are what we seek to have in one person to be a whole parent. It doesn't mean that women need to behave like the mother and the men need to behave like the father. Okay. Now, having said that, (laughs) back to the um, the mother lineage. This. uh, this strikes me, and this is personal, like I say, this is not some teaching that came somewhere else, so this is my own interpretation uh, in this realm. The supplication to the mother lineage has, it's, it's in the presence of someone or some energy or some thing, some presence. It's a subtle presence. There's a lot of space. There's a lot of the time is spent Describing what it's like to be in the presence of the Mother Lineage. There's a sense of care coming from the Mother Lineage. There's a sense of being provided. and There's a sense of of trusting this energy, this way of being. And, uh, you know, your hair is elegant and airy. Perfume is exquisite. There's a sense of space. There's room for... Need to be me among this Prosperity providing But it's also strong You speak softly, but your command carries weight There's also a notion of protection we bathe within a grove of bamboo you're naked you're exposed, but you're protected by essentially grass <laughs> strong grass that has air can flow through it And in the last line, please help us to become gentle and tough. And that refers to bamboo. Bamboo is often an image of flexibility and strength, because it is a very strong wood, but it's bendable. You can bend it. So there's a notion of strength here, and there's a notion of providing, and there's overall gentleness. So the the mother lineage is often associated with gentleness, kindness in Shambhala. And it's not uh, feeble trying to make assuage people. It's, It's a strong but gentle energy. The Father lineage chant or supplication to the Rigdon Father is the title of it, is a little different. I'll read it now. Oh, Rigdon Father, your grace and gentleness have saved us from the depressions of the barbarians, and your sweet smile has produced chrysanthemums. As we watch each petal grow, we rejoice and cry, and the tears of our crying produce future warriors. When we finger the sword blade, we become heartbroken. Why, with such sharpness, Rigdon Father, are you not presently with us? From the pain of our heartbreak, we cry, kiki, so-so. Remembering your brushstroke, we swoon and collapse into your overwhelming genuineness. Watching occasional raindrops, spotting your robe as it ripples in the wind makes us thirsty, but you turn our thirst into elegance. Watching your wind horse galloping in the fields about your palace, we feel so jealous. Why cannot we be one of your horses? But that jealousy turns into confidence. Watching you do archery we feel intimidated the whistling arrow hitting the target. You have such accuracy But intimidation becomes fearlessness We are your arrows adorned with Garuda's feathers. Oh, we long for you Rigdon father. Please bless us on this auspicious occasion Let us serve you genuinely Let us bathe in milk and honey. Let us eat your spicy food. We vow to perpetuate your world So this is a very different tone and images are different. Everything is very different. There's images and and statements of of being lost, heartbroken and feeling left alone. And there's a lot of mention here of, of states of mind that we usually don't want to be in. Jealousy, intimidation, thirst, needing, not having what we need. But the thing is that this actually says that these states of mind are opportunities to come out of them. They're within the situation is an opportunity to come out of them. And all of these, we are afraid that we have lost basic goodness. We're afraid it's outside of us. We're afraid it's in a wind horse galloping about the field. We're afraid it's in the archer who's better than we are at that skill. We're afraid it's not in us when we see, this is interesting, too, because these are all uh, images of someone who's accomplishing, someone else who's accomplishing something. And we feel like we can't find basic goodness. But there's actually a little instruction in here. (laughs) Why with such sharpness, Rigdon Father, are you not presently with us? Then it says, so there you go, why are you not, why do we not have, why can we not connect? From the pain of our heartbreak, we cry, kiki so-so. So in that moment, if we can feel the pain of our heartbreak, and be there with it, crying, kiki so-so, is sort of like, this is what's happening, in a way. It's feeling it. Then... There's a chance where things can change, and they just sort of, they become, they change. It's not like we apply a technique particularly. It changes our environment. We connect with the way things are in the moment, and the moment is uncomfortable. But that connection right there is getting in touch with basic goodness. And then intimidation becomes fearlessness. So this is, there's others, there's a lot more in each of these. But I was just interested in how these relate to being a mother or a father. So, so that there's basically this is about courage. This, this um, way of looking at this chant, that this one is about courage. We have courage, we have fearlessness. The mother lineage, we have gentleness, kindness. And these two things are two qualities that the warrior seeks to develop, seeks to recognize in themselves, seeks to recognize in others. So as a parent we want to be able to do this for ourselves. We want to be able to help our children learn to do these things for themselves as well. And they are not in conflict, these two approaches, fearlessness and gentleness. We actually need courage in order to be gentle certainly to ourselves it takes courage to be gentle because a lot of times when we don't want to be gentle it's because we feel like we're losing some battle we feel like it's a weakness we mistake gentleness for weakness so it takes courage to actually stop and touch the heart look in, feel what's happening, and then be gentle in order to access that gentleness. But we also need gentleness to be brave in order to find the spot, in order to touch that soft spot where that we don't want to touch. We're afraid we've lost basic goodness and we just don't want to go there. We actually need the gentleness to access that. And we often mistake Hardness, not doing that, for courage. So we need the gentleness to create a field of of trust that, you know, we're not attacking ourselves if we make a mistake. And then we can actually find the courage to go out and be daring. But if we don't uh, allow ourselves the, the fundamental ground of basic goodness, be gentle in that way, then we won't dare take a chance, because <laughs> there's only harshness if we mess up. So in relating to our children, we can use this, these ideas, these notions to uh, show our children what basic goodness looks like and feels like. From the mother lineage chant, there are images of, like I mentioned before, spacious. Basic goodness is spacious. There's room for us, there's room for others. Basic goodness offers things to us and inspires us. So, in other words, it's not heavy-handed. It's not manipulative. It's not demanding that we pay it back or pay for it in the first place. There's a sense of invitation. And appreciate when we're in it, we're appreciating it. There's a lot of, we notice it. We notice the, uh, the exquisite perfume. We notice the uh, crescent moon in the hair. We, we just know, These are things that when we open up, oh, rather than,
1: hey, look at this.
2: It has a different kind of quality to it. It has a gentleness to it. Not only that, it can be different as well, but this is definitely a part of it. From the father lineage chance, we've, we find basic goodness when we're, you know, we, we are learning how or that's a way that we could find basic goodness when it's outside of us. If we open to the present moment that we don't want to open to, if we basically say how we feel. One thing that's very effective I found with myself and then I also found with my children, especially when they're small, is whenever someone ourselves, or someone's feeling bad to put your hand right here right here on your chest and just feel i used to say this when my children would get upset that someone had treated them wrong i did it a lot at the playgrounds and I would tell them to put put your hand here they go i said how do you feel and they say bad or sad or angry or whatever and i said do you feel good you know I would say, How do you feel? And they'd say, That person did blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. How do you feel? Happy? Well, glad, sad, mad, or afraid. What <laughs> are those four? And they would usually get mad or sad. Or and then I said, Do you feel basic goodness in you? And then they would sit there a moment and they, Yeah. And then that was it. I wouldn't say anything else if I could. if I could hold off (laughs) and then they would run on they would be fine and I learned to do that myself so when we are parents it's a whole new realm of ways to use the outer world to say whether or not we're good (laughs) which is you you know parents Judging other parents, saying what's right, going and do the, you know, I need to join this preschool, you know, blah, 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 because that's the one that everyone says. If you get into that one, then your kids will become president. So we can use these techniques of when we're doubting our own judgment as a parent. We can use what we've learned in meditation our ability to kind of see what's happening in us and what's happening outside of us and sort of see things interacting in a way we can might be able to see that we're doubting our judgment comparing ourselves to other parents comparing ourselves to our parents we might also see that it's hard to tell sometimes when you're a parent if if you want something for your child because you believe it's going to be the best thing for your child or maybe it's just the way you want it that's a that's that's a difficult line that's a fuzzy line in there you know and just recognizing when you're in this sort of situation of like i don't know I might be, this might be the right thing and I might just be pushing my own way here. I'm not sure what to do. That is an equivalent of from the tears of our crying. Well, what is it? Um, uh, From the pain of our heartbreak. Because it hurts when you get to the point where you're like, I want to be a good parent. That kind of situation hurts. And whenever you can touch that and cry, kiki, so, so, when you can just be there with it things might, intimidation might become fearlessness. Sometimes when we're at home, I live in Brooklyn, and um, there's a lot of parents here, and this is a kind of a trendy place, and a lot of busy people here. New York City has got a lot of people with a lot of karma energy, and and, uh, can be very busy, 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 go, go, go. And sometimes you can feel like, Gosh, I'm just, I'm, I need to be getting out, taking my kids to six museums a day, and then making sure they memorize the times tables before they're four. You know, maybe being at home for our children and for us can be like being in the presence of the mother lineage, of the softness, of the providing, of the, the gentleness, of the uh, safety, of being. Bathing in a grove of bamboo. Maybe we don't need to be out there. Maybe we can be in a place where we can simply appreciate stability (laughs) Sometimes we might ask if we're creating a world that might have too much of the father lineage challenge Am I pushing my kids too hard? Am I having them do too much or having them do stuff that's above their You know what would be healthy for them? Are they just stressed out all the time? Sometimes we might be creating a world that has too much comfort, you know. Do I need to see if this child can learn to provide things for themselves? What we're seeking for is a balance of those. And the mother and the father lineage, we almost always say those chants together. And so this is a, a, a back and forth thing that we go through with parents. and. I think the fact that we say these uh, chants together means that these two things, it's not really a conflict, it's more of a, we say often a dance, it's not like this is pushing that away and it has to be perfect balance of the two in the middle. It's more of a, oh, we've gone a little too far in this, maybe we should bring things back in here. Oh, this is, maybe we went a little, so let's come back over here. So it's more of a flow of the lineage. And so, of course, as I mentioned when we started, this is a lot of a... uh, We practice this in meditation. We practice this by practicing on ourselves. (laughs) We practice seeing what's going on in us. We practice letting go of thoughts that we really want to hang on to. We practice coming back to the moment and seeing if it's okay if nothing's going on. We practice seeing if nothing's going on means that nothing's actually going on, or is there actually something going on? We practice whether uh, getting too tight in our practice. Are we trying too hard? Or we're trying to like be the best meditator we can be? Or are we being a little slack and kind of fuzzing out? we're practicing finding these balances straightening up our posture relaxing when we get too tight it's a constant back and forth of those so we have our own habits of shying away from basic goodness we see those when we practice we can use that when we're relating to our children and how to kind of guide what we sh- what we should do as a family or as an individual even When you're, when you have a partner, uh, and you have children, you have an opportunity to notice what your partner, what part of these energies your partner brings. We don't have to do it all. And of course, since this isn't male or female, you can certainly have more of a father lineage mother and a mother lineage father. (laughs) It doesn't matter. It's about the balance, and the flexibility, and the fluidity, uh, and and the, the ability to shift when a shift is needed. Because we are in a world, we're in a society, and there are times when there's a little more of the, the uh, fearlessness is needed within and outside of the family. And there are times when gentleness is needed more. So it's a good to be able to to be fluid and not always have to have everything be okay, 50% gentleness and 50% confidence because if you do that, you're stuck. You're applying, You're attacking, uh, not attacking, you're treating every situation with the same thing. So um, this also applies if you're not, if you do not have children, if you're in a relationship with someone, uh, you'll see how these energies can come together to operate in your home or in your relationship, which may not be always in your home. It might be more public. It might be dating someone where it's a little more of a public thing. But you're going to come across other people. You're going to come across situations. So these two things, gentleness, refraining from judging ourselves, creating an environment of trust, even when we do judge ourselves, realize that it's okay when we judge ourselves. <laughs> and we care and we provide and we protect basic goodness in ourselves and in others. And bravery, just meeting challenges. Whenever we, are, whenever we feel a challenge, when we feel that basic good was, goodness is outside of us, that can be the very doorway to go in to allow it to change it's almost like a magical transformation when it happens if we try to make it change that it doesn't often doesn't work and what I, another thing i noticed at the very last that i'll say at the end of this last little bit here is that neither one of these chants talk about entertainment <laughs> They don't really talk about entertainment. I'll just leave that alone. So the fruition of this is that we can access joy more often. We can find that we do meet challenges, that we do provide for ourselves. We can soften when needed and help someone. And we can protect someone, ourselves, our children, our family. And then that creates a flow within a family And this family has better access to joy. Doesn't mean they're happy all the time, but it means that as a group we've learned how to recognize when we're not connected and when we are connected to basic goodness. And joy comes from that. A sense of celebration, a sense of being able to interact with the world, even if things are upside down. And of course this family isn't an island, the family interacts with other families, with other parts of society, and can have, can can learn to recognize these in other parts of the world, and hopefully have an effect on others. Hopefully others will recognize that this family brings joy to them or can handle situations. Um, One thing I remember hearing Sakyong said the wish-fulfilling jewel that the wish is not that our lives are perfect the wish is that we can handle our lives whatever happens and so that was very long <laughs> much longer than I thought it would be I guess I have a bit to say but I would love to uh, hear what any of you think or if you'd like to chime in let's see if uh any of this, if you have any insights or ideas. Hi Lily, (laughs) glad you made it. Bobby, hey. Um, There was something you said about protecting basic goodness that I thought was interesting because I tend to think of basic goodness as being very much like this indestructible nature, like almost like I can throw it against the wall and you know, really try to test it to destruction and all these things and i've never really thought about protecting it um and i guess i could see wanting to protect the ability to access it but i was just curious about that like maybe if you could maybe unpack kind of what you mean by protecting basic goodness i think you i think you uh yes i think you went right on it and i'm glad you brought that up the notion of protecting someone's basic basic goodness in the teachings is primordial there's nothing to protect. There's nothing to protect from. So yes, um, And when it comes to children is to uh, or in ourselves too, certainly before we really learn about it, or is to protect our um, in a way our definition of what it is. <laughs> um, to uh, not let someone else or to not let a situation happen to someone that is, that causes them to doubt themselves and then go, there, see, you got it all wrong, you, there's no hope for you. So it's it's uh, you're right, it's protecting them and identifying, protecting them from being, uh, had someone told that their basic goodness is not there or that their basic goodness is flawed. Um, so what protecting, yes, I think I should stop talking. <laughs> No, that, that makes a lot of sense, thank you. <laughs> you, you nailed it, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I'm thinking maybe it's, it's easier to see why you might, there might be ways to protect it with young children because they have more limited experience and skill in the world. But I have a son who's in his 40s and so it's just interesting when something comes up that's what something yeah you know, it's just something dysfunctional about the family <laughs> you know on my side or his or my ex husband's side his dad's side and so being able to have a conversation with him that helps protect basic goodness his basic goodness helps him to not get totally sucked into yeah, just somehow feeding the dysfunction further, or it helps him to just touch into who he is as a person, what his values are, and and how to make uh, his own decision about what how he's going to relate to something. Um, you know, like I don't know, he has a grandfather who's dying, and and they haven't been close, and there's other people who have interfered in the relationship. So what's he going to do? Is he going to go visit or not? It's his decision. And yeah, so just being able to listen and help him. Like, I really appreciated what you said about, I wish my parents had told me that, put your hand on your heart and what are you feeling? (laughs) You know? And so even with someone who, a son who's 40 or 50, sometimes even over the phone, it's like just saying like, well, what, what are you feeling? under all that story that's going on what are you feeling right now and i know you'll and i and trust that some wisdom's going to come out of that
2: yeah i agree and i think that's just asking asking someone in an open-ended way with the the heart that you just showed there you know of how are you feeling and and just listen to what they're saying like you did that there is in a sense protecting their basic goodness because it's helping them find it. And a lot of times we don't know, there's a lot of ways to touch, um, our heart. And one of them is through language is through speech. And so when someone does ask, how are you doing? And they're not saying, Oh, how are you doing? Oh yeah, me too. Okay. So what about, you know, when someone can do that and sit and listen, that just can open the box for people, and be the um, tool. That's a beautiful gift, yeah. And that's definitely mother lineage—the sense of space. <laughs> you know, the sense of just simply being there. You know.
1: I don't want to make you repeat yourself, but I was wondering if you could go back to that point about. How it takes bravery to be gentle and gentle to be brave That's yeah
2: it, it takes um, bravery to be gentle because we are usually when we're not gentle we're usually wanting something we're usually or not wanting something <laughs> and we're kind of we're holding on to something. We're holding on to an idea or the way things are supposed to be. And it takes courage to let go of that because in a way it's like you're, you're taking a risk that you might not be right or you're taking a risk that you may be doing the wrong thing or too much or too little. Um, you may not have enough. So you're kind of it's your, it's your, uh, it takes bravery. It's just like letting go of a thought that you really don't want to let go of. <laughs> you know, you're upset about something or you're just entertained and you're fascinated and it take. it's kind of like cutting your arm or something to let go of a thought. It's really hard to do, right? So it's kind of that kind of thing. It's, it takes courage to just Trust in basic goodness that there is something bigger going on than what you see, and you're gonna kind of have faith in that and be gentle. And then it takes gentleness to be to have courage because true courage, as that uh, chant points out, is is going. Well, the definition of fearlessness is not being without fear, the Shambhala definition. It's going beyond fear. So you have to actually be afraid. You don't see this in the movies of the guys with the guns and these days also with the ladies with the guns. You know, they're like, there's no debt. They're just like, but that's actually not considered bravery in this tradition. Bravery is actually being afraid and then doing what needs to be done anyway. So in order to, to go past fear, you have to be gentle with yourself about being afraid. And that gentleness is what allows you to touch and feel the fear. And that is in the present moment that puts you right here. And so then things change or can change then you're no longer confused. You know you're afraid. <laughs> if nothing else. <laughs> so that uh, that's what that's about. is it, it takes gentleness. You have to actually touch the gentle part, the fear, the soft part in order to then discover bravery. So they go together and intertwine.
1: It's so interesting to me, your point about how, as Dan Siegel says, you name it to tame it, and and just in the the naming of the emotion, it helps to regulate regulate us in some um, mystical but also scientifically proven way.
2: Yeah, it allows us to feel it. You know, naming it doesn't always work. You know, we can name it from kind of like an intellectual point of view, but if we can say, I feel like crap instead of saying this bah, 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 you know, if we can just go, Oh, I don't like this and just uh, feel that. That's the moment when that's the moment when things can change. And it's not like you can always just do it immediately, you know. It, it sometimes there's a little journey to that, you know. <laughs> but um, but when you can say and you don't when you can say that or just feel that. You don't actually don't even have to use the words, but you know, but words are powerful. Words are very powerful, yeah.